Hello and welcome to the Glamshire Podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry. I'm your host, Bobby Marsden. In this episode, we sat down with Emmy Award-winning director Jesse Raisler, who is also the creator and executive producer of a fantastic new series on Discovery Plus called Bespoke Inns. That series focuses on 15 different locations around the United States that are experiential hospitality offerings. Jesse talks about their brand stories and the unique stories behind the owners of each of those locations. He also talks about his podcast, Open Air Humans, and he talks about a new experiential outdoor hospitality offering he's putting together in Wisconsin, which should open in summer of 2023. So without further ado, let's dive in. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Jesse. Welcome to the Glassray Podcast. Hey, Bobby. It's a long time. It's good to see you, and it's good to be here. Good to see you, too. I can see out the back of your window, it looks like it's a snow-covered, piney terrain. Where are you right now? It is. We live in western Wisconsin, a pretty rural area. We're on a, a quiet, non-motorized lake, um, you know, about an hour and a half from the Twin Cities, which is, we keep an office in Minneapolis as well, but we're out here in God's country is where I grew up. I love it. Rural Wisconsin is my my home place. It's uh, but yeah, we got some lovely pines back there, and I, I home office out of this little little tiny home here when I'm not making the trek to to Minneapolis. Yeah, well, it looks beautiful, and uh, you know, for all the listeners, Jesse and I have worked together off and on throughout the years, uh, creating uh, great pieces of film, and uh, we did that back in Minneapolis and St. Paul, which is where I'm from. For those of you that don't know, but uh, Jesse, thanks for joining us. Uh, big fan of your show that's on Discovery Plus called Bespoke Inns. Uh, just finished the last episode last night, which would total fifteen. Fifteen of them, and you made it through. That's awesome. Well, they're they're bite size, uh, which which is which is really nice. They're about ten minutes or so, and and there's honestly not a wasted piece of film uh, from front to back, which is which is always nice. And it left me wanting to know more. And and I think for the properties and the people that are running those properties, they probably appreciate that because I, I would imagine they're getting contacted quite a bit based on your stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's quite a variety, uh, both in terms of place, style, design, experience you can have. And we were very intentional about that in the casting process and finding ins that you know, are in really unique places, but they speak to where they're from in a really interesting way. They tell the story of where they are in a really interesting way, whether that's through the design or the experiences you can have there. But man, this was a lot of fun. This series was a lot of fun to put together. Yeah, you got to travel all over the U.S. and, and see all these great places. And, and we'll certainly get to, to those episodes and talk more about the show. But for viewers and listeners out there, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about more about you and what you do. Um, you know, I know you're a very talented storyteller and you have this unique ability to dig beneath the surface of a story and find that authentic essence uh, that creates that connection with viewers. And, and that could be, that's so important, especially if you're telling a story about, you know, some of these properties and just the generations that I've went through running these places and how important it is to these people. Um, and, and that connection for viewers, especially when it comes to a brand story is so important because there's so much competition out there Tell us, tell the viewers, tell me, tell the listeners uh, what story means for you and why that's 
so important uh, as a connection for a brand and, and especially when it comes to uh, a place where you really wouldn't walk past it you'd have to kind of find it online and so you'd have to connect with that story right off the bat to make you want to make a decision to visit it yeah I'll, I'll approach that in a couple ways so just for context too, my background is I went to journalism school and then started making my own documentaries I kind of realized I didn't want to do the the nightly news thing that a lot of my peers were doing. I was interested in longer form storytelling, things that get to character and context and the why as opposed to just the who, what, when, where. Um, and so I started making my own films and then like, okay, how can I make a living from this? So commercial work alongside of documentary films turned into documentaries for myself, for brands, for nonprofits, for causes. And so six years ago, I started my company, Credo Nonfiction, and we do wide-ranging work all sort of in that documentary, with a documentary ethos um, for brands, you know, for television more and more, um, you know, series like Bespoke Games. But for me, yeah, I thank you for saying we, you know, I, I try to get beneath the surface. I think a lot of what I had seen in television and, um, you know, reality TV or um design shows they tend to stay surface deep and i'm always interested in character and what drives us as humans to do what we do so i'm always digging a little bit deeper to uncover hopefully the heart in a story of like you can feel that i think for sure in a few of the bespoke ins episodes of like why is this important to the people that put it together like yeah it looks cool you can have a cool experience but but what was it that captivated them and made them pour so much of their passion into this project that's what i'm interested in in getting to the heart of with I mean, pretty much all that we do. Yeah, it certainly shines through. And, you know, speaking to Bespokens, uh, watched all 15. So I certainly, in a row. So I saw a lot of the commonalities that you kind of spoke of that are on the surface. You have this beautiful property on this beautiful piece of land. And, and there's beautiful design aesthetics. And as I was watching all of these, I, I started to notice a lot of the unique qualities as well, which is those stories underneath the surface. And it was really about people. And then oftentimes they're either connection to the land that they had or the connection to each other that drove them to want to expose that and expose themselves in a very vulnerable way to the public. Inviting someone into your house is a vulnerable move. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the connections that you saw uh, with people connecting with people or the people connecting with the land that led them to do what they do. Yeah. Um, gosh, those are great. I'll, I'll start with maybe people connecting with, with the land. Um, a couple that come to mind that stand out in, in that regard. Um, the Inn at Newport Ranch is one, which is on that beautiful, rugged, you know, Northern California coast up near Fort Bragg and, um, I, that's always been a favorite area for me. I think I was invited to the Mendocino Film Festi Festival like um, eight or nine years ago. And ever since then, I'm like, oh, I want to get back there whenever I can because it's just these dramatic, you know, cliffs that you don't see a lot of other places. And then the way the fog rolls in is uh, so cool and, and um, unlike anywhere else. And so this property... Um, Will Jackson is amazing. Ninety four. He's now ninety four years old. Um, I think he spent something like you know fifteen or twenty years dreaming up. He first, first of all, he like found the land in like it was like one of those little thumbnail ads 
in like the Wall Street Journal or something and um, went out there and just fell in love with it. It was like a second career. He was a financial advisor, but always wanted to do something more experiential and, and with the land. And so found this and then bought this land and then very slowly over the course of a long period of time engaged uh, a couple of different architects to figure out like how do you convey the sense of this landscape in a structure so that when you're inside it you feel all that drama of the redwoods and the huge stone of the cliffside and like what does that mean to bring that inside and fuse this experience and i think of all the places this is one of the most successful where it's like they they did it like you walk in and especially like one of the suites is like it's a it's a cathedral honoring the redwoods there's these second growth redwoods that are just like pillars in this large suite. Um, and so it feels like you're in a grove when you're in indoors. Um, and they've, they've brought that to life in, in really unique ways. And each, each one captures a different view on the Pacific while putting you in this like redwood grove. And that was one that really stood out in his story of like why he's passionate about it. And he says, I have the view gene. Like he would like go around and, find all these different areas on the property where it's like the most beautiful where you just want to stop and like soak in what you're seeing and so he built these hand carved benches all over the property to do it and then you know combining that with the structures that they have where you can come and stay there's something like seven microclimates on the property when you go over the hill and into the grove and then you know contrasting that with the cliffside it's just a magical magical place and he's such a sweet sweet man that um you know you can tell poured so much of his his heart and soul into creating this thing yeah i remember that episode where he said initially bought it for an investment and then just fell in love with it and realized that he could never sell it so exactly he was like, i'm supposed to sell that but i couldn't i could never bring myself to do it another interesting thing is that he creating these views all over his property he was really creating instagrammable moments probably before instagram was ever invented oh, yeah 100 <laughs> we were when when like taking the picture was like your eyes you're just blinking like that's the, that, that's the click of it um but yeah now they are right like everybody that goes there is you know these little benches in these hand carved chairs in these incredible vistas like everybody's stopping and taking a picture and posting it and so yeah that's definitely a commonality through pretty much all these places where whether it was intentionally that or not, it was like some sort of moment of delight or like interaction where you stop and you're like, I'm compelled to just be here a moment or I'm compelled to like interact with something. Um, and I think another one tied to the, the landscape um, is Willow House in very far West Texas. We found how far when we drove there from, from Austin, it's like, if you're going to see Big Ben, that's why you would be there. Otherwise, you probably have no business being that far west in Texas. Um, but this woman, Lauren, um, you know, at a young age, found a plot of land and it was quite accessible, inexpensive as land goes um, because it is so remote. Um, but she had a vision for it and created these casitas, small, um, you know, concrete structures that just kind of blend into the landscape and take their cues from the landscape and um it's got to be the most visual instagrammable property from the exterior maybe of any of them um it's just so minimal in that desert architecture that minimalism there's something about that with the desert landscape that is just 
really magical. And anyway, her one of many Instagramable moments is she put, you know, four posts and hung a bed, you know, kind of a bit away from any of the structures. And it's just this beautiful hanging bed, what appears to be in the middle of the Chihuahuan Desert with this view of the Shisos Mountains that's just like unparalleled. And then the sun starts setting and the colors that the rock turns while you're on this bed is just like, I mean, one of those experiences that you that stays with you. And seeing that bed in that landscape is like, you have to take a picture of it. You have to post it because it's so cool. Um, so that was another one that sort of combined landscape informed design and creating these little moments or Instagrammable moments. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a certain power to creating an opportunity to let other people tell your story, too, uh, as long as that story is clear and, and then you're going to get their version of it. And that's also leads to just more business, which is part of why these people are doing what they're doing, which we'll get to definitely down down the road in this podcast. Uh, I was thinking about motivation when you mentioned, you know, she at a young age. Uh, was drawn to this land or for some reason decided she needed to do this. And uh, a quote that was said in the first episode uh, by a married couple, uh, they said, we've been putting on a show for other people all of our lives. Why not put on a show for ourselves? And that was when they decided to open up uh, their inn. Uh, he was a chef. She was a television producer. So they weren't coming from a background of hospitality or experiential hospitality, but they just decided they knew enough and had faith in themselves to tell a show that people would want to see. Um, what were some of those kind of cool, unique stories uh, that were motivation stories? Why these people decided to do this, sometimes jumping out of a career, probably a successful one to take the risk, but they felt compelled to do it, whether it was the land or whether it was just some kind of inner drive. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they're all kind of a different endpoint. I mean, one of my favorites, um, not just because it's our only Wisconsin property, but because the the husband and wife that opened it are maybe the most amazing storytellers, you know, of any of these properties. Um, uh, this is Camp Wandawiga in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And um, this place has such a story. So for them, it was, well, let me, let me back up. So, um, this place now known as Camp Wandawiga was, um, you know, a speakeasy, a brothel, a church camp. And now is this sort of, you could call it an inn. Um, there's a variety of like summer camp inspired, inspired experiences you can have there. Companies will rent out the whole camp. There are weeks set aside where you can just rent one of the small cabins or one of the luxury glamping sites, the teepees. Um, there's a million different ways you can experience Wanda Wiga, but what holds it all together is I think the vision of Teresa and David, who for David, he went there actually when it was a, a Latvian church camp. And so he has this memories of childhood of summer camp, which so many of us have, especially in this part of the country. There's just a feeling and a vibe that that evokes. Um, if you did summer camp as a kid, there's a feeling of freedom. It's maybe your first time like overnight away from your parents and you're like swimming and you're doing archery and you're doing like all these fun outdoor things. And so they took the spirit of that and applied it to a lot of different structures, bringing in the story of this unique property of the past of like the speakeasy past, the brothel past and everything that was going on there. And then also just like, 
being so committed to this camp aesthetic. Um, and not like camp now, but like maybe camp as it was. So it's a little bit like time traveling in a lot of ways, but it's also just any anywhere you are there, there's like a visual design uh, immersion, right? Like every structure has a slightly different story to tell. So like you can go there and have a pretty different experience each time, at least in your accommodation or where you're staying. And the, the level of detail um, that Teresa takes in terms of like, the the single roll toilet paper that's wrapped in the wrapping that would have been in the 1920s with font, but it's like their Camp Wanderwega, but it's the font that you would have seen in the 1920s. You know, the matchbooks, same thing. Um, everything you touch there is so special and unique that it, it leaves such a strong impression. And so I think a lot of that for them was, you know, tapping into the childhood feelings of what camp was but then like taking it much further and in a really interesting way. And they're both storytellers by day. They still, they run this camp with help while being, he's like a chief content creative officer at Allstate. And she's, you know, um, you know, an executive at, o um, I want to say Ogilvy, one of the big ad agencies. In I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they storytell for a living. So it makes sense that why they're so amazing at it on their property. So, that was one really interesting example where it was like very much tying in, tapping into like childhood memory and nostalgia, but bringing it to life in a really interesting way. So. Yeah. I don't remember the exact episode number, but there was a brother and sister spent time at an inn in Florida and, and happened to find out that this place was coming up for sale. And he said he felt an immediate compulsion to buy it and save it and restore it uh, maybe to satisfy something that had never really had closure from his childhood or who knows what, uh, but uh, brother and sister working together. I mean, there are so many different combinations. You saw husband and wife, as you just mentioned, uh, at Wanda Wiga, brother and sister. I, I saw one about a, a mother and son, uh, yeah. all these interesting combinations. Uh, probably the one that really struck a chord with me was uh, at Blackberry Mountain, uh, where uh, unfortunately, uh, the gentleman that was running that was married, to, you know, not unfortunately married to somebody, but unfortunately uh, uh, passed away in a skiing accident. But then the family asked her to, to take it over. What a gigantic question that must have been. And then I think out of her love and passion for that property, she decided to take it on and just run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Blackberry Farm became really well-known, I mean, nationally, even internationally, and won some James Beard Awards. Um, and, and yeah, so they had built that, and then he had this vision for Blackberry Mountain. Um, Sam Sam Beal passed away in the skiing accident, and Mary Celeste, his wife, she, she was like, okay, we're going to finish it. So it wasn't even up and running. Like, she had to work with the designers and, like, fulfill his vision to open it. And she did in a matter of, you know, a couple of years after his passing. And now it's been open for two or three years and is, you know, offering an experience adjacent to what Blackberry Farm is, but up, you know, in the mountaintop was a little bit more adventure, um, a focus on wellness. And it's really an interesting property as well. But yeah, the realization of that place is like, you know, all in honor to her late husband. A lot, lot wrapped up in that. <laughs> Very emotional. Yeah, it's a beautiful origin story, and, I, and I, I think each property and each collection of people all had 
a very unique and very touching story and and i think you need that level of commitment to yourself and the story that you're believing to execute and and bring these visions to life um, and then there's the other side there's the customer that also has a story kind of beginning and about to unfold for them when they go into these places and in episode four uh, one of the uh, owners of that property said it really rang true for him when he heard a customer say, I don't know where I am, but I'm exactly where I want to be. Mm, yeah. What an awesome quote. <laughs> and I, I'm wondering, you know, how was it for you guys, you know, and your crew stepping onto these properties and discovering these stories uh, as you just took in the aesthetic and and how I think powerful that could be for a guest to, to experience that same thing. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we're casting these all on photos and just doing Zoom interviews like this with the, the owners, the innkeepers. And so you can get so far with that, you know, you get a pretty good sense and then we'll put together what we think is where we want to focus in terms of building out our story beats and our schedules and, and all that. And then you get there and you walk in and you're like, oh, wow, it, it really evokes a feeling that maybe you didn't fully understand or expect. And then so you might pivot a little bit and go like, OK, this this area, this room is really special. How do we convey that? You know, and we've got, um, you know, a few more sensory things that we can do outside of photos. You know, we have the story component, audio and visual moving pictures as opposed to still picture. But it's still like it's a tall order to convey what it feels like to be there. But that's essentially what we're what we're trying to do or inspire people to want to know more, like you said. Um, and um, yeah, so we would get there like the Madrona you mentioned um, is where that quote came from. I don't know where I am, but I'm exactly where I want to be. And that's that's a place in particular where I feel like the design really propels what makes it so special and transporting. And that's Jay Jeffers, who, um, you know, took this place from, you know, very dated, you know, kind of what you'd think of old school grandma's attic style B&B is what he called it, I think. And, and just like transformed it. And it's no one specific um, aesthetic. He's like, let the rooms tell him what to do in a lot of ways. And sure, there's nods to... Um, where they are being in, um, you know, central California wine country, but there's no other place like it in that area. Certainly, um, maybe anywhere else. And it is like you walk in and you're like, wow, where am I? And it's a combination of the art, um, that is on the walls, the aesthetic, he's big on wallpapers. And so it's, it's immersive in a way that it's just really unique and novel. Like you've never been any place like that. So that's, you know, one way to really transport people and, and captivate them, I think. And um, they've nailed that. They also have amazing culinary offering too. So that never hurts, right? Like people are there to restore themselves and relax. And then if they can have one of the most amazing meals ever too, and their cocktail program, they're, you know, um, picking nasturtium off their property and incorporating that into their state martini. And so there are a lot of ways that not only design, but the, the, the culinary, the food, the beverage, like ties into the landscape of where they are too. And so I think all those things add up to be a pretty immersive, you know, special way of being there. 
Yeah, and I think you touched on a great point, which is experience. So when you walk in, you obviously experience that aesthetic, that design, that attention to detail. And Bespoken has kind of touched on it a little bit, I think maybe more so in just some of the properties that have more experiences to offer, like a Blackberry Mountain. But what are your thoughts on on the experiential side of, of the hospitality locations that you visited? Uh, some were definitely geared towards come in, sit down, relax, and just unplug. And then it looked like others, like BlackBerry, for instance, had like a, a zip line course and a, a ropes obstacle course. Uh, Wanda Wiga looked like they had a bunch of different experiences that you could do on the lake. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the balance between the experiential activity side and then immersing yourself in, in the environment that you're in? Yeah, I think I think it's where it starts from, and it's about the in, intent. I mean, if if you're looking to provide people with a truly just come here, unplug, restore yourself, or if you're saying like come here and experience what this place has to offer. And they can certainly exist in the same place, but I think some of the properties were more sort of geared one way or the other. Um, but the one you mentioned, you know, Blackberry is clearly about like, let's give people a variety of wellness opportunities, adventure opportunities, all that are sort of immersed in this mountain, you know, what, what that area is, um, you know, to the flip side of, yes, yeah, more like, the Madrona, where I think it's just about come here and relax and restore yourself. Um, but yeah, I think one that jumps out that really made an impression on me on the experiential side of things, because the whole place is built around this feature is Castle Hot Springs. And this is like in the Arizona desert. And all of a sudden there's this oasis because there's this natural hot springs and all of a sudden there's greenery amongst the desert. And you're like, what, what's going on here. And so this place was, I mean, JFK stayed here. I mean, this has a, a century of people coming out to this oasis. And so this place actually burnt down um, in the late, I think it was sixties or seventies and was just fully restored and, and with new construction as well. Um, you know, just a few years ago. And, and so what's been built is a really beautiful, you know, na luxury nature immersion, retreat and the main attraction is going into these natural hot springs in the middle of the desert and especially doing that at night in what's considered a dark sky area you know where there's no light pollution and you can see the glorious stars from you know your 90 there's three tiers so there's like the 90 degree pool the 98 degree pool and the 106 degree pool you can kind of choose your own experience and just to be like in there when we were there, I think it was, the air temp was like 50 or 60 degrees. And so you get in this warm pool and just stare at the stars for an hour or two. It's like the experiences don't get more um, striking than that. And so, I mean, clearly they knew they had this feature that, of course, everything is sort of built around that. And then they offer a ton of other things. There's, you know, rocks climbing opportunities and, you know, um, get out into the desert on a on a, a hike of, of any kind and the culinary there is also amazing and very um, driven by where they are so there's a there's a lot there but in particular um the hot springs experience is great so if you're you know again if you're creating something that isn't an area where you can have an experience like that of course like it's a, it's a no-brainer coming from an advertising background such as yourself 
And uh, you, I would imagine you might have been, you know, obviously focusing on telling the story for Bespokens, but maybe a part of you might have been thinking, how would I advertise this place if, if that was my role? Is there anything that you saw, uh, some of these properties or just other properties in general, that really do a good job of telling their story in a way that can wrap people in uh, and get them to make that that connection and eventually that purchase to stay there? Is there any advice that you have for people that are, are maybe running a, a experiential hospitality offering and what they could potentially do to craft their story or maybe create their brand in a way that does some of the work that Bespoke Inns did and, and, and you know, some of the work that I've seen on the websites of some of the properties that you featured? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's like our mandate is to create stories and like we didn't want it to feel promotional or commercial and it's like hard to do because these places are so amazing when you tell their story it's like of course people are going to see that want to go there um but i think yeah i think it's um tapping into like what are the really unique aspects of where the property is whether that's like natural history you know geology um how can you interact in the landscape there that you can't have that experience somewhere else, you know, what's unique about what is there. Um, and then, yeah, finding, I mean, I'm a, as a filmmaker, of course, like visuals are so important to me than like finding what are like the really sticky, shareable, like visuals. Someone sees something and they can't help but share it. Like the image that got me for Castle Hot Springs, which is like, okay, we're pitching this property. It's like a single drone shot, like looking down from above, there's a single person floating in that hot spring and there's just desert and cactus. And then that's the little pool of natural water. And you're like, it's that visual is so captivating. So it's like finding those opportunities, I think, to lead with. It's a great piece of advice. Speaking of bespoke ends, is there going to be a season two? Uh, what's what's in What's the possibility? Because again, I think it's such a great delivery method of these bite-sized 10 minute-ish videos that really create the appetizer that leads you to want the entree. Are you working on another season for Bespokens? Not yet. And uh, you know, your listeners can maybe help with that. I mean, honestly, the show just launched in uh, Christmas, like two days before Christmas. So it's, it's been out for two months and we did like two or three episodes a week. So, um, it's been in the trending category. It's done really, really well. Um, we haven't gotten an order for season two yet, but I'm hoping that's around the corner because yeah, we loved the making of it. And I think there are a ton more ins that for whatever reason, the timing didn't work out that, you know, are screaming to be featured in this way. It's a, it's definitely a growing part of the travel industry in general is experiential hospitality. People I think are looking to connect with nature, connect with land, connect with each other in ways that haven't been offered extensively in the past. I think they were kind of needles in the haystack, harder to find. So I think the more these can be exposed, it can help in so many different ways outside of travel. Because when people take vacations, I think it's a very active thing to do. Sometimes people say, oh, it's passive. I'm just going to tune out. But I think actually the way you should vacation is to tune in uh, and, and come out refreshed, rejuvenated, and hopefully enlightened, uh, learning something. Um, so I hope, 
that Bespokens 2 comes out very soon. But you have other things that you're working on as well. I know you do a podcast called Open Air for Humans, which does celebrate people getting outside and, and why that makes them happy, why it should make you happy. Uh, talk a little bit about that podcast and anything else that you might have going on. Yeah, yeah, thanks. No, I, um, you know, big, two big passion focuses for us have been the outdoors and, and food and travel as well. But um, I think it was during the, the pandemic that I, you know, we, especially in my industry, we had extra time on our hands and um, I was looking for something to do. And I'd always been curious about foraging and I looked for mushrooms and things like that. But I, I sent an email to a um, man named Ellen Burgo, who's known as the Forager Chef, and said, um, you know, we've both got some time on our hands. The restaurant industry is very quiet. The production industry is very quiet. Why don't we make something that people could use during this time and inspire them to get outside? People were outside more. Um, and so we, we made a show called Field Forest Feast. It's called Wild Harvest when we launched it. Um, you know, that hopefully inspire people to get outside, look at what's around you, how to identify plants and, and mushrooms that you could use in, in cooking. Um, and through that process, like, I started looking closer at everything that grows around me. And I started learning the names of plants, and I started learning when they appear in a very specific micro season. We talk about four seasons, especially in this area, but when you look closer... I mean, there's dozens of micro seasons within that. And that brought me so close to my environment in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Um, and it changed my mind. Like I was looking for things. I felt so connected um, to the earth in a way that I hadn't. And I would like look forward to like the next year, be like, oh, this week, this plant is coming up. Like an old friend. Good to see you again. Like, and I'm like, wow, there are so many ways, like I had experienced on nature many times, but my relationship was changing with it. And so I was really driven by this idea of like how spending more time in nature and getting to know nature in different ways can really um, change your mind and make you maybe, um, well, we talk about, you know, time spent in nature can make you healthier, happier, and more creative, more human. And so this, these are the themes we explore with open air humans. And we've had some amazing guests from Ann Bancroft, who's the first woman to the North Pole, to Andrew Zimmern, who, you know, is a culinary adventurer, has some amazing experiences. So we are um, just about to launch our second season of that podcast, Open Air Humans. Um, and so um, we're excited for that to come out. And as we're making the podcast, we're like, how can we extend this and, and, and make something experiential out of it? And we had been thinking about um, opening up some sort of um, cabin or camping experience that is really about nature immersion and about experiencing like the values that we espouse in open air humans. Like what does that look like in practice? So the open air outpost is soon to open and that is going to be, uh, you know, luxury nature immersion, tiny home experience on 18 acres in beautiful God's country, Wisconsin, um, in Western Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I couldn't do, it's like, we've been thinking about this. And then like, I did a season of Bespoke Kids and it's like, okay, I just got a master class in like how to do this well. It would be foolish, like not to take some of these lessons and utilize that to open up what we had, you know, long been thinking about and incorporate 
these ideas of nature immersion from our show. So it was like this perfect combination of things coming together. Well, it's good to see that you're not just talking the talk, but you're walking the walk. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, very cool, Jesse. You got a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, again, I really hope Bespoken's 2 comes out or any iteration of it, as long as we're talking about experiential outdoor hospitality or experiential hospitality in general. Um, I think any, any more of that in anyone's life is a good thing. Hey, man. With that. Cool. Well, thanks for doing what you're doing. This is great. Yeah, I appreciate you hopping on, Jesse. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Jesse as much as I had having it. Jesse is an old dear friend and it warms my heart to see how much success that he's having. And I'm really excited for the experiential outdoor hospitality offering he's going to bring to light in summer of 2023 in Wisconsin. Jesse, I'm going to put that one on my bucket list. If any of you would like to get in contact with Jesse, you can do so via his Credo Nonfiction website, which is www.credonfiction.com www.credononfiction.com And if you'd like to follow us and subscribe to the Glamshire Podcast, you can do so on our website, which is www.glamptury.com Until next time, safe travels, everyone.